Just before the episode, I would like to thank all our Patreon members. You guys, the support means the world to me and helps keep this podcast going. And if you haven't signed up for Patreon yet, just so you know, Lindsay from formerly 33% Pulp and I cover a lot of different true crime and history media like The Keepers and the Paradise Lost series, as well as covering some topics that you guys probably wouldn't hear about otherwise. You know, we've covered the I Knew of Japan. We've covered Bernard Pernat, lots of different cases, and as well as some surprise and different kinds of content, such as crazy sci-fi movies comes up as well. So love if you would check it out. Thank you guys for all the support and allowing me to keep doing this for the past few years. So thank you. And now on to the episode. Welcome back to the cult of domesticity. I'm here with the lovely Heather of also the many. Like Scott, you are of the many. (laughs) What? Status pending. Nature versus narcissism. Ohio 88, which we just recorded for, you know, living our best lives. Yeah. Wrapped up in our blankets. All the recordings. Yeah. And all the animal noises apparently <laughs> oh i just made my own noise by hitting the pens that are on my da- table so there you go. and pulling my my blankets up further because it got cold again and i hate it and then i'm gonna make a horrible mistake of going to cleveland in the winter but it's fine so what have your podcast been up to recently heather inform us all so most recently i guess we just released chapter nine on status pending and it is a local case for us actually it's a Dayton Ohio case it's still unsolved they did find her body four months after Uh, so this was in 1987 but it's still unsolved so it's really sad we we just released that in December beginning of December and then Ohio 88 is on to Allen County and nature versus narcissism is wrapping up season four at the end of December, early January, and then we'll be making an announcement for season five toward the probably mid-January. So you get a nice little break at the end and can move on and get research. Yes, and- <laughs> we are actually going going to take a decent break this time because we want to have all of season five recorded before we start releasing so we don't run into another issue like we did with this season. You never know with all the COVID stuff. We just hated pushing it off. We don't want to do that again. That's fair enough. I mean, I know it's difficult to schedule recordings, especially when you're with another person, on top of getting the research done, on top of having real jobs. And new jobs and switching things and new business continuity plans for your jobs. It's just a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, what do you know about the lost colony of Roanoke? The only thing I know about Roanoke is that they have a season for it on American Horror Story. (laughs) And I don't even know if it's the same Roanoke. (laughs) It is. Okay, cool. Yeah, I I love that season. That's all I know, though. This will be so much fun. (laughs) You're welcome for my random singing listeners. If you're new to the the podcast, I don't know what you're going to expect, but there might be singing. Not good singing. I'm not, I don't have any illusions on my singing skills. There might be vocal noises that aren't words and talking, if that makes any sense. (laughs) To talk about Roanoke, we kind of need to talk about what is going on in the bigger, wide world, because all the theories kind of go around what's been a-happening. As uh, Thomas Jefferson says in Hamilton, what did I miss? (sighs) I've never seen it. I know you've never seen Hamilton. That is a specific reference for people who are giant history nerds. It's fine. So England in the 
or sorry, in the 15. Thank you, Luna. I heard that. Dog sounds will be heard and they are adorable so that it is allowed. They're literally just trying to get under their blanket is what they're trying to do. So in the 1580, we have England behind in this new empire race to colonize the new parts of the world. The Spanish are just raging through the Americas. The Portuguese are on uh, the West African coast going towards Asia. We have Elizabeth I of England who is funding privateers. So technically not pirates or technically state-sponsored pirates, however you feel, who their job was to rob Spanish treasure shits <laughs> treasure shits <laughs> oh my voice is gone so that's making this harder these privateers job was to rob spanish treasure ships and they would take the loot that they had gotten from the americas and basically bring them back to england to fund the coffers because let me give you a hint henry the eighth loved to spend money and then after he died there was a lot of warfare and shit so England was kind of a little broke. <laughs> kind of a little bit. Kind of a little bit. They needed to buffer their coffers a little bit. So we know in March 1584, Elizabeth agrees to attempts to settle colonists uh, in an area determined by Sir Walter Raleigh, you know, that guy, and they would name it Virginia. And cue everybody thinking of Pocahontas. There's so many things wrong with that movie. Not even just the age difference. Hey. Also the fact that John Smith is a ginger. He looks like an evil Santa Claus. Google it. Dare you. I liked Pocahontas when I was like eight. Google John Smith. It'll break your heart. Disney's portrayal of him is so wrong. They don't even have his hair color right. What's... Anyways, this would really... Um, be in the area of what is now North Carolina and they would be they would visit the area in the summer of 1584. Raleigh is really eager to establish a new world colony and it was like okay we're just gonna make a baby England here. Well this 84 expedition which is often called their Armada's Barlow expedition after the two leaders explores the region makes contacts with the natives and their main settlement was on Roanoke Island. They had pretty friendly relationship between them, mainly because these people are just stopping here. They're not like settle settling. <laughs> and because it was like, unless you got like, you, it was really difficult because you didn't know the area. You were really reliant on like people stopping and bringing extra supplies and stuff. So they would trade with the natives meat and fish for cloth and wine. A local chief, one Wignina, even entertained them with a great feast. They then had two of the Roanoke natives volunteer to volunteer. I feel like it wasn't, it might have been a friendly volunteering. It might have been like, hey, help us back to the ship. And then, oh my God, you're on the ship, you know. But they go back to England. It would be Menteo and Wenchesi. Again, I am sorry for the pronunciations. I'm doing my best. Hey, you're doing better than me. Once they get back to England, they describe Virginia as a land of plenty, peaceful natives, and being like, look at the skins and the pearls we got via trade. So they're like, okay, this looks like a good spot for the first colony. So they send another expedition in 85, and Raleigh is again pretty much orchestrating this so they can be like the Spanish and steal all the gold and silver from the native populations. But, you know, they didn't really know what to expect and how difficult it was going to be. And it's going to be a giant clusterfuck. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. What are we going to get? Adventure, hardship, death, mystery. Mystery. That's the one I want. And the death. So 
In 85, the adventurer Richard Grenville was given the command of a small fleet to sail to North America carrying colonists. Elizabeth really didn't provide any financial backing, even though Raleigh was like, I'm naming it after you, your majesty. And I can't remember. I feel like Raleigh was one of the ones they were like, hey, she totally slept with him. But who's to say? She was the virgin queen. Mm. She did, though, provide the expedition with a 160-ton ship named Tiger. So they leave Plymouth April 9th, 1585. They got five ships. The Tiger is the largest. There is um, young Thomas Cavendish on the ship. Uh, on that expedition, he would later circumnavigate the globe in the 1580s. Nice. So, question. Did I miss it? Like, so there's five ships and it's all of the same colony, right? Yeah, they're all English people going over to North America right now. Okay. And how many people are there exactly? Or do you know yet? Um, Is it like upwards of 100 or is it like smaller in size? I mean, these ships take quite a few people to run them, but it's going to be a smaller colony first, and it's going to be mostly dudes. Okay. Sorry. Patriarchy. Just mainly because, you know, men, they're so strong. (laughs) They do all the things that women can't. Unlike my favorite TikTok right now, which is, I don't train to be strong like men. I train to be strong like bitch who fights bears in the forest. Jesus. It's my new favorite TikTok. You can send me any version of that. I enjoy it. It's a good time. Another person who is going to be famous on this journey is John White. He was the celebrated cartographer and artist who would map and capture the sites of the New World. And he would actually be on Martin Froschbringer's search for the Northwest Passage in the 1570s. So he's good to have on because he's going to paint pictures of the colonies, wildlife, people of the region really creating documents that are survived that will survive to this day to show us what it was like for them when they got so there. So like maps and things like of where they ventured to and, and what they put up basically. Okay. Maps, pictures of like native flora and fauna, um, animals, where like different things. Nice. They also are returning Manto and Wanchese on this journey as well, but it doesn't start off great. They hit a storm mid-May. It separates the fleet. Because you have to remember, we're still, like, these are the ships you think of, like, Pirates of the Caribbean-style ships. That's what they're, like, sailing with. So if they get separated, they don't have GPS to get back together. So don't hate me. I have not watched Pirates of the Caribbean. They're the big wooden ships. Oh, I know what the ship is. I just haven't seen it. Okay. It's fine. I'm not mad at it. <laughs> Grenville actually ends up in Puerto Rico. So that's how far they get separated. Yeah. So you know what he does, what anybody will do. Plundering small Spanish vessels, ports in the Caribbean. I mean, it was always the plan, but because he's like, I'm here. Might as well. <laughs> to help pay for this Winning expedition. Steal from the Spanish. Fair enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> they would regroup and restock in Hispaniola, a.k.a. Haiti and the DR. Three ships make their way up through the narrow shallows of the Carolina Banks. However, mid-July, the Tiger runs aground and the seawater seeped in, seeped into the stores, a.k.a. a lot of the food and stuff for the colonists gets wrecked. Oh, boy. But they are joined by the remaining two vessels, which had also gotten lost. They have, they're all male settlers, 
being led by Ralph Lane, and they were unable to reach the mainland proper, so they deposit them on Wokotokan Island. And since Lane, who's re- leading the settlers, and Grenville, who's leading this expedition, aren't getting along, the colonists decide to move to the north end of the nearby Roanoke Island when everybody goes back to England to come back with more supplies. So like, we're just going to act like we're happy here. <sighs> And we're then we're gonna move over there. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Bye. Okay, move everything over there. Go. Like, save me a spot. <laughs> like they've secretly been moving everything all week. They're like, where'd all this stuff go? I don't know. We'll see you in two bears. years. It was bears. They got it. It was bears. It was definitely bears. The owl did it. <laughs> <laughs> they did leave Lane with the smallest vessel. It's called the Pintance. So that way he could explore the region. So they're like, that way you can trade and you can go on adventures. It, they did know they had some support because they have Manteo and Wenchese as intermediaries between them and the settle and the native populations. I just love this. The natives told them that there was like what they believe to be gold and copper deposits to the north. So they're going up to explore Chesapeake Bay. And you're just like, you are doing the bare minimum to survive. Like, it's hard enough. And you're like, let's go get some gold. It's like, y'all dumb. But, I mean, they were trying to look for that big old payoff, though. That song in Pocahontas where they're singing about gold legitimately is what England did a lot of the time. (laughs) You're just like, half of your population's dead. Stop looking for it. But that's like the next big money-making scheme. You know what I mean? Like, if you think about it in that sense, that was their version of like an MLM or something that they think is going to get rich quick scheme type thing, you know? Just got to get this gold and then we're set. So that's probably all that was in their head at the time. Yeah. At the beginning of spring, they really were running out of supplies. They had horrible relations now with the natives. And because when they had landed earlier, they had arrived too late to grow their own food. Not a lot of them have farming experience. This seems like foresight. And remember, they had lost some of their stores when the tiger had run aground. The natives were unwilling to hand over some of their own supplies, and this creates problems. Around mid-June, Manto would inform Lane that the natives plan to attack the colony. So naturally, Lane goes, I'm gonna attack first. So Lane is like, let's go first. And he killed Chief Weninga. Yeah, luckily for the Europeans, outside help would not re- arrive within a week. So like outside native help, because, you know, they're kind of outnumbered a little bit. Just a tad. Well, Grenville, who was like, I'm gonna try to make as much profit as I can on the way back, captured off Bermuda the 300 ton Santa Maria de San Vicente on his way home. This would have Sugar, ivory, spices, and it would cover the entire expedition's cost. Cha-ching! The next summer, I know, that was how you made your money. And then the other... This is why insurance really starts in earnest, because, like, people be robbing. <laughs> Sailing isn't, like, you gotta insure your boats in case there's storms and stuff. People be robbing. Got it. People be robbing. <laughs> well, Grenville then returns to Virginia with new provisions the next summer. But he shows up. They are not there. Where are they, may you ask? Is this where Where's Waldo came in? Is this when it was invented? <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of the time. You're like, where's this person? And you can't text them. So Lane and the other people left June 19th, 1586, with Sir Francis Drake, 
another British privateer who had been raiding against the Spanish in the Caribbean, and they because it was not go it was really not going well. So they basically missed each other by a few weeks. Grenville did leave fifteen men and two years of supplies for them, like in case new colonists would arrive. But these men were never seen or heard from again. Shut up. That's not even the like we haven't even gotten to the lost colony. So like they've already tried to inhabit this island. Let's talk about the lost colony. The next year, eighteen fifty seven. We know they've already. Thank you. I'm number dyslexic. Just for like his like dates. Actually, just really numbers. So the first settlement was kind of a shit show, but people were like, "Hmm, the returning colonists have great things like tobacco and potatoes." Potatoes. I'm totally down. I'll be. I'll join that colony right now. Yesterday, because <laughs> potatoes are a uh, Western America's thing, and so they decide. Okay, Raleigh's like, let's send another expedition out to colonize this area. Let's do this. So John White was selected to be the colony's governor. He would rule over 117 settlers, but it wasn't just dudes this time. Yes, bring the women in. So they it would include families. So there were 89 men, 17 women, and 11 children. Still, the ratio is fucked up. Seriously. What would you get if you went? Because, you know, it's it's a lot. Well... Each family or male would get at least 500 acres given to them by the crown. I mean, do you see the problem with that? Yeah. What's the problem with that? Each man, each one of the 89 men are getting 500 acres, correct? Okay. Mm -hmm. How the hell are they going to take care of that 500 acres, first of all? My main question is, who does the land belong to? Well, if it was given to him, isn't it his land? So they're going to come over to North America and just be given 500 acres because... The European assumption is if you're not actively using the land, it's like native rights aren't considered. okay. It was mainly if there's no other European claim to the land. Uh, Problematic. So they just got to put a flag in the ground or something. (laughs) Mine. Yeah. (laughs) It's my favorite comedy bit. It's like, we have a flag. You you don't have a flag. This isn't yours. But we've been living here. You didn't put a flag in it. Wait, isn't there a thing? I don't know how far back this goes. I feel like it goes back pretty far, but I forget what it's called exactly. I told somebody about it recently where you basically, when something like that happens and you're given land or whatever, you have to go there and basically you have to stay there for X amount of time for it to become yours. I just know that there was something that I learned recently and I had heard it in the past, like in school at some point, and then I remembered it and told somebody about it, but I don't remember what it's called. Where if you're given land, you have to basically go there and you have to remain there for X amount of time for it to be yours. And if you leave before that time frame is up, it's not yours anymore. Is this kind of the same concept? um, Yeah, you have to improve the land. You have to develop the land. It's similar, but it's harder to... I mean, they're all going to be together, so you kind of... It's it's not as solidified. Mm -hmm. That's more when they go to settle, like, uh, what is it, West... Of like the Appalachian Mountains and stuff when they do plots. You can get land if you've been on there and you've improved it for like five to ten years. You can keep the land, but you'd have to like stake it out and like claim it. They were going to choose a new site in Chesapeake Bay around that area and they keep they keep going up and down, but they're like, Yeah, we but we wanna go to the Caribbean and make money. So they just dropped the colonists off on Roanoke Island, July twenty second, fifteen eighty seven. Remember, the previous inhabitants 
hadn't endeared themselves to the Roanoke Indians. That ha- like that all that stuff that happened two years before. They remember. They still remember. The new settlers are kind of shit out of luck in developing a relationship with them. <laughs> this is really clear when one colonist, George Howe, would be found dead on the beach July 28th. That escalated quickly. What the hell? You went from stake and land to whoop. George is dead on the beach. Like, how did that happen? (laughs) So, well, yeah, I mean, like, okay, two years before they had murdered their chief and more white people show up. Poor George was just like, I don't know what he was doing, but he was just on the fucking beach, though. Like one of the (laughs) that's supposed to be such a peaceful place. And his dead bodies found on the beach. I'm not trying to laugh, but that the irony (laughs) He's just looking at the sunset, and they're just, like, snipe him. Yeah, what the fuck? Not cool, bro. So the colonists were, like, the colonists in August told White, they're, like, you need to go back to England to persuade the government to send us supplies. We're not doing well. And this would mean he would have to leave his family, including his granddaughter, Virginia Dare, who was the first English colonist born in the Americas. She was born like right as they got there too. It was pretty soon after. He would arrive back in England accompanied by a native in October of 87, but it wouldn't be until April 1588 that he would be able to set off for Roanoke with two supply ships. But there's a twist. They become involved with a Spanish festival and have to turn back. So it's already been like, like, let's, okay, say he leaves in August, so it takes him two months to get back to England. So they're eight months out when they set out. I'm sorry, I'm not good with this. <laughs> they're eight months out when they have to turn back. Mm-hmm. And then the Spanish Armada attacks England, so they couldn't even leave. They have to postpone returning until 1590. Mm. And in 1590, he does finally return to the island. But he finds the settlement, and this is like the creepiest part, like, completely abandoned houses are dismantled any of the supplies have been stripped the only clues left behind was the word croatoan carved into a post and crow c-r-o carved into a nearby tree there is no signs of a struggle or an attack but white attempts to go to the nearby croatoan settlement like native settlement on hatteras island to get more information about the missing colonists because he was like okay they must have gone there remember his family's on that i was on that island right so and oh god i'm really trying to follow here so when he went to back to get supplies and everything and then the spanish armada hit so two years had passed right yeah basically two years like around two years and some change so he was coming back to his family that he had left behind, correct? And yeah. now this is where we're at with the Croatoan and stuff. Yeah, okay. so he was bringing back supplies and help, like help, probably more people Jeez. to help out with this. And they're gone. And it's like every, it looks like they weren't even there. I know, isn't that creepy? I know. Yeah, that this, gave me chills. I knew you would enjoy this one. On his way to the Croatoan settlement, he gets waylaid by poor weather and a snapped anchor cable on his ship, so he can't dock. He basically <laughs> can't stop the ship. They normally have more than one, but it's, like, harder. So he is forced to return to England without finding out the location of his daughter, granddaughter, or the 100 other colonists. Oh, my God. You know, there the Croton was an island 80 kilometers or 50 miles distant, and they're like, okay, they probably went there for, like, greater safety, but... I mean, 
he has to be really frustrated. This is why it's known as the Lost Colony. No one has ever discovered the final fate. So really the most likely theories are they were killed. And then what, buried or eaten? Because like they're, they're just no remnants. That's <sighs> like it's thought to be revenge or maybe they kidnapped them. But let's talk about some theories. Everybody started to come about with theories after their disappearance. Massacred by native tribes. Uh, they attempted to flee back to England, were lost at sea. Maybe they were attacked by the Spanish. Or were they ever really lost? Mm. What could it be? Wait, okay, so were they ever really lost, meaning did, did they he just actually move? take them on his ship and not tell anyone? Or No, did they, like, move? They... Oh. Like, did they, like, leave them? Like, were they settled? We'll get into the theories more in depth, but it's like, did they actually, like disappear did they just move to a better location there is evidence dating back to the 17th century or 1800 that always confuses yeah 16 back to the 1600s so back to like the next century after they disappeared that they never actually disappeared many believe that they moved in with their neighbors the croatoans because author john lawson would recount stories of unusual new members of the croatoan tribe in his 1709 book quote, a voyage to Carolina, end quote, because he would describe some of the tribe had light colored eyes and could talk in a book, aka read and write and speak in English. Oh. There have been digs on Hatteras Island, which shows a mix of English and native artifacts because it's like pottery arrowheads are lying right next to metal clothing and European weaponry. They've looked at uh, the post holes uncovered at a Croatoan settlement, but it shows both brown style favored by the natives for longhouses and square style used by English settlers. So they could have lived, maybe they worked out something and they lived alongside them. It seems like most likely they took shelter with a local Croatoan tribe based on archaeological and historical oral history accounts and pretty much between late 1587 and 1590 really they cannot maintain their original separate settlement so they had to move they had low food stores lack of supplies plaguing them how do you take care of yourself and your family so they could have turned to their neighbors but why have we never discovered what was wrong what was what happened to them well lack of funds poor timing and the conditions going around and the conditions um, surrounding the political conditions surrounding Governor White and other explorers coming back and helping them out really couldn't give them enough time to do it or they didn't have the funds or, you know, there's a war. It's it's just so bizarre that there's nothing like even when he came back. I mean, I know he came back roughly two years later, but like nothing, even when he went to the Croatoan. He couldn't get there because remember um, his like when he went to go sail there, there was storms and his anchor broke. So he couldn't get close enough and like without beaching his ship. Um, I mean, I think they probably took stuff with them just because it was easier. And they decided to settle colonists in other places like Jamestown and Plymouth. We know when he returned in 1590, there was no indication of fights there have been they've looked there's no human graves or remains in the area which shows that they must have all left alive and you know we could look and think as uh david beers quinn would conclude that in 1587 the colonists sought to relocate to their original destination chesapeake bay so they used their pittance and other small boats to transport themselves and belongings up there. Maybe there was a small group at Croatoan to wait White's return and be like, hey, we moved up here. 
let's show you, but he couldn't locate any of them. And maybe the colonists assimilated with the Chesapeans, so the natives of the Chesapeake Bay, and the locals, who, the ones who stayed with the Croatoans, blended in with that. Quinn suggests that Samuel Mace's 1602 voyage that ventured into Chesapeake Bay and kidnapped Powhatans to bring back into England, and these actually these abductees were able to communicate with uh, Thomas Harlot that showed that maybe there were Europeans that had lived in the area. They had learned English to a degree. He argues that this is necessary to explain the optimism about the colonists' survival after 1603. Some accuse the Powhatans of... I'm going to attempt to pronounce this. Some accuse Wanasashewen of slaughtering... <laughs> I, I think you did great. Thank you. Of slaughtering the colonists and the Chesapeans in separate passages, but Quinn would argue that these events occurred in a single attack on an integrated community. So he's like, they were both attacked because they were one community, and he believes that Mace's abductions caused them to seek revenge, and that's why they were attacked. And he judges that John Smith, yes, that John Smith of Jamestown, yes, would be the first to learn of the massacre, but because of the political issues, he reports it to King James rather than talking about it publicly. And so that means, like, because Elizabeth dies at the early 1600s, and so we now have King James the first and sixth of England and Scotland going with the sixth. You know, it people really debate this because he relies... Quinn relies heavily on the accounts of Stretchy and Purchase. So it's they, they're criticizing his sources. They're like, you need more. But what else could it be? They could integrate with local tribes, so they could have not gone up to the Chesapeake area. And most people believe they assimilated as at least by 1605. You know, they would have exhausted their European supplies, such as clothing, uh, weapons, tools, disregarded their European culture to fit in. So like language, self-dress, agriculture, and the Algonquian lifestyle would become more convenient to them. So it's easier to just follow what's already there. You can get more crops, da 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 X, Y, and Z. <laughs> they... There has been proof in the colonial era that when Europeans get captured by natives and they're with them for a substantial period of time, they were reluctant to return. Whereas if the natives were with the Europeans, they wanted to go home. So it could be like that. And it would show why they didn't seek to reintegrate. Especially if you grew up that way, that would be your life. Mm -hmm. Most historians actually believe this is the most likely scenario, but... I mean, it's the question of which tribes, tribes that they assimilated with. Most believe that the Croatoan were ancestors of the 18th century Hatteras. There's like more evidence for that. Like I said, there's um, European remnants on the island. It, as well as the modern day Roanoke Hatteras tribe identifies as both descendants of the Croatoan and the lost colonists. 17th century maps do use the word Croatoan to describe locations on the mainland across from the Palico Sound from Roanoke and Hatteras, and these areas would be associated with the Machupunga tribe. <laughs> these tribe names, can you please tell me where they come from? Is Split. it like from animals? Like, what is it? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to be respectful. <laughs> no, I, I like them. I just, we, I don't think we're creative enough today. I think it's just the different pronunciations of words, mm. you know, and different vowel sounds and stuff. There are oral traditions and legends about a migration of the Croatoan through the mainland and are prevalent through eastern North Carolina, a.k.a. the legend of 
Colheri in Samson County, which would be transcribed in 1950. And, you know, there's numerous ways for it to come coming up and all of that. And we know that there are encounters with pale-skinned, blonde-haired people among various Native American tribes as early as 1607. So that's the right time frame. Yeah, like about 20 years later from when they disappeared. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, and then because when they're older and they're, let's say that baby was 20, 22, whatever years old, and it's walking around, it's a grown-ass adult doing its own things. So yeah, you would have sightings of that person more often than you would probably the baby. And they're raised in the culture now, so they're going to look more like someone who's blended in. They're going to be like, oh, that's weird Mm -hmm. still. But these individuals are frequently attributed to the lost colonists, but there might be a higher rate of albinoism in Native Americans than like people of your, like having people of European descent there. As uh, Scott Dawson would claim in his June 2020 book, The Lost Colony and Hatteras Island, he says, like, they didn't merge with, uh, or they merged with the Croatoan people. He claims, quote, they were never lost. It was made up. The mystery is over, end quote. <laughs> so that's his whole book. Just two sentences, probably. <laughs> I'm sure that, like, he has to support it. But yeah, that's like the, the thesis. Yeah. Okay. What if they attempt to return to England? They could have tried to save themselves. They had that pinnacle. Mm -hmm. that was left behind by the 1587 expedition the ship could have been lost with everybody at sea and that would like explain why the ship was gone and any trace of the colonists you would have to strip everything try to like survive let's say they do have people who are qualified to be sailors we do know that ships of that size were capable of crossing but they normally did it with other vessels and you have to think they don't want to go the normal way which is through the caribbean and then looping back up because you could get attacked by the Spanish. They could have taken a direct route. We know this because in 1563, French settlers at the failed Charles Fort colony did build a crude boat and successfully, barely, returned to <laughs> Europe. They could have sailed along north along the coast and hoped to like reach you know, the English fishing fleets in the Gulf of Maine, but it would have not been large enough to carry all the colonists. Plus, they would have needed a lot of like supplies so that would have restricted people further and you'd have to like kind of buffer the ship a little bit more they could have produced a second ship to get most of their uh party but it would still say some of the colonists would have had to remain behind they couldn't have taken everybody but what became of them who's to say it's like a mind fuck yeah so right now we have one two three conspiracies or three ideas of how to how the, what happened conspiracies conspiracies i don't know what what do you, what do you call like theories three theories our fourth conspiracy is the one against raleigh or conspiracy theory. sorry the word conspiracy is on my notes the fourth theory is a consp- conspiracy against raleigh this is pushed forward by anthropologist lee miller and he believes that sir francis walsingham simon fernandez williams or edward stratford and others were basically involved in a conspiracy to maroon the colonists at Roanoke. The argument is it was used to, like, if this colony goes under, they're going to undermine Raleigh and all of his activities interfered with Walsingham's covert plans to make England a Protestant world power at the expense of other Catholic nations, specifically Spain. This is supported by the fact that Raleigh was prevented 
Raleigh and White were prevented from dispatching a relief mission until 1590, which coincidentally was the same year of Walsingham's death. Mm. As Miller further argues, the colonists may have been separatists uh, seeking religious freedom from persecution in England, like, you know, like the pilgrims. Mm-hmm. And because Raleigh expressed sympathy for the separatists, Walsingham would be like, they're a threat. We have to get rid of them. She believes that the colonists split up with a smaller group locating to Croatoan, the main body would seek shelter with the Chowoke. The colonists, however, would have probably quickly spread disease among their hosts, destabilizing the power. And, you know, she goes, okay, they must have, the Chowoke must have been attacked with the survivors taken captive by Mandoge, a more powerful nation to the west that the Jamestown colonists actually knew of. And, you know, she thinks they, the colonists were traded as slaves. And this has been challenged because Walsingham's actually funded a lot of Raleigh's expeditions. And Fernandez was willing to bring John White back to England instead of abandoning him with the other colonists. So there is some contention around that. But could it have been a plot to just, like, fuck over Raleigh? Maybe. Possibly. The fifth theory is the secret operations at Beachland. There is an abandoned settlement called Beachland located within Alligator River National Wildlife Refuge. There are reports of small coffins with some Christian markings. And that's why people are like, oh, it must be the lost colony, you know? Engineer Philip McMullen and an amateur archaeologist, Fred Willard, would conclude that Raleigh dispatched the 1587 colonists harvest sassafras along the Alligator River. You know, even though all everybody's suggesting that records by records they're supposed to go to Chesapeake Bay, you know, they're like, oh, they must have pretended that they didn't recognize it because they wanted to conceal their sassafras riches from other competitors. <laughs> sassafras? Yeah. McMullen says that Raleigh quietly reestablished contact with the colony in 1597 and his sassafras expeditions were simply picking up the harvest. <laughs> it really was not truly abandoned until Raleigh, like until the colony's location died with Raleigh in 1618. McMullen then argues that the colonists would have begun to assimilate with the Croatoans at Beachland because you know, like they weren't getting the constant like supplies, and they're like, okay, we got to deal with this. There are oral traditions and un substantiated reports about Beachland and there is on a 1651 map a depiction of a sassafras tree near Alligator River so they knew it was there but okay if Raleigh did plant a sassafras farm in 1587 and he like because of the increased crop prices he really could have like used it to compensate for the failed 85 colony and this overlooks the fact that remember Granville had that really big commandeering of a Spanish ship at the end, which covered the cost. We do know that sassafras prices did not skyrocket until the late 1590s, so almost 1600 after the establishment of the colony. So could it have been? Yes. But how would he have the foresight to plant this, like get this plant, have a separate colony to recoup his financial losses and not tell anybody about it? He played the long game with a double life. Yeah. That's exactly how he did it. It's too much. It's too much work. I don't think that's... I don't think that's it. What are we on? The six theory? I lost count. We're gonna go with six. <sighs> Sorry if I seem distracted. I'm going to be an ant probably within 24 hours. So I'm very excited. <laughs> what if the Spanish attacked 
Remember, everybody's everybody's like attacking each other's ships, stealing shit. Well, I just love this reasoning. Paul Green, who was preparing to compose a 1937 drama about the Lost Colony, actually went through Spanish records and found um, from that period, there's a lot of references to Raleigh and his settlement. So the Spanish were like, I'm keeping an eye on you. You teasing me. I'm keeping an eye on you. And so his play would end up with the colonists leaving Roanoke Island to evade a Spanish ship, leaving the audience to wonder if the Spanish had found them. Ooh. <sighs> the Spanish knew that the English... Go ahead. So this is his play, but this is basically him putting a theory out there. Yeah. From okay. I mean, he, he, he has documentation that they knew about it and everything. So, I mean, mm. let's say... I could see this, though. I, I'm on board with this one. The Spanish knew of the English plans to establish the colony in Virginia, and they were searching for that colony before they even got there. They were, like, cruising up and down the coast, like, where you at, boo? Where you at? Let's go. Trying to scoop them up. Yeah, because, I mean, Spain had most of their North American empire in the flor- in Florida, and they were like, oh, England, we've already claimed this co- so, this continent, so thank you very much, goodbye we will not recognize your right and there is the spanish sack of fort caroline in 1565 and they we know they were still attempting to look for that colony as late as 1600 so they maybe didn't find it or maybe if they did like the documentation was lost maybe the ship sunk or something like that because the colonists knew that it was uh dangerous okay we're on seven Theory seven. There's one more after this. We know in 2006, writer Scott Dawson said that uh, a southern live oak tree on Hatteras Island still bore the faint Cora, C-O-R-A, on its bark. And he goes, maybe this is connected to, like, the lost colony. It had already been subject to local legends, mainly about a witch named Cora. There was a book about it in 1989. Dawes would argue that it represents another message from the colonists, like the Croatoan. Would Cora indicate they left the island to, like, Croatoan Island to settle with the Cori, C-O-R-E-E, also known as the Corane, C-O-R-A-N-I-N-E, near the island, or near Lake Matascuti? You can tell I'm not from this area. Matamuski. Matamuski, yeah. Uh, They did do a test in 2009, and it's inconclusive. Mainly... There's damage to the tree from lightning decay and everything. It's like, it's kind of hard to get tree dating. So even if you could prove it was the correct tree, like the carving is a different matter. Our eighth, yeah, eighth theory and final theory are the Dare Stones. So between 1937 and 41, there was a series of inscribed stones discovered that were claimed to be written by Eleanor Dare, a.k.a. the mother of Virginia Dare, a.k.a. the daughter of White. The guy who went back to England. Yes. And so on these stones, they're talking about the travelings of the colonists and their ultimate deaths. Most historians are like, yeah, these are straight up frauds. Um, <laughs> there are some today who still believe that the well, like at least one of the stones were genuine. The first one is like a little different from the rest. It might possibly be genuine, but most are like, nah. So which theory do you think? <sighs> Man. Okay, so I don't know. I'm trying to... Do you want me to repeat them for you? No, I have a list now. I was writing a list while you were going. Okay. Um, 
So I think the most plausible is probably either integrating with another tribe that's local to them because maybe they're like, oh, why is he gone so long? He's not coming back for us. We need to figure out how to, you know, live life on our own, basically. So they found another tribe to basically mesh with or assimilate with. Or maybe they got scared because he wasn't returning and they didn't know what was going on and things were happening and the Spanish Armada happened and they're like, shit, we got to get back to England. And they tried to go back to England and maybe they died en route. Who knows? Because then they would have all their belongings with them. So there wouldn't be anything that anybody could find later. Well, they wouldn't know about the Spanish Armada happening because they have no contact outside, but like they could definitely freak out. And I think like some people could be like, uh, we're going to go back, you know, or like go down to the Caribbean or something. Yeah. I don't think the other ones, uh, I don't think the Raleigh one, I don't think that one was, I mean, I don't, I don't follow that one or the mm. beach land. I think the Cora tree is really interesting though. That one, I could see that one. Like they just left another marking, like mm-hmm. another hint. Yeah. Basically like, yeah, we're out of here. Peace. But here you go. This is how you know we were here. Yeah. I don't know the... I think the Beachland could be interesting for a different reason. Um, and But I'm definitely like team they assimilated to at least some regards, even if some of them went down to the Caribbean to try to get help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, they would have taken all of their belongings, especially since uh, Virginia was the baby. I mean, the mom's going to take all of the belongings to make sure that that baby's safe and protected and comfortable and everything. So I don't think they would leave anything behind, especially in this new land where they don't know what could happen. Mm-hmm. They're not going to leave their stuff behind to have it potentially stolen. They're going to need it wherever they go. Even if they, like, they had, a, like, some of them went to go live with their, like, native neighbors. Mm-hmm. And the rest of them were like, we're going to go get help. But, like, we need to get, like, stuff and all of that. That would make sense. Or if they were, like, there was, like, a battle and they abducted some of them. They got rid of some of the bodies, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about the whole, I don't know if I'm, I agree with the whole battle thing or anything because like that's a lot of stuff to have to try to get rid of their belongings and all the bodies to where nothing can ever be found but it's also been two years they're on an island like let's say like i don't know how that population disposed of their dead maybe they just kept like if it's two years you can keep coming back and like scavenging they could have just kept scavenging all the stuff yeah but they didn't know that that guy was gonna be gone for almost two years no but i mean Think about it. If you know no one's there, you watch a little bit. You're like, okay, no one's here. Let's go get some stuff. Keep getting stuff. Keep getting stuff. Mm. I I mean, the best evidence is they have found like a mixture of European and native tools and stuff with the Croatoan. I could see some of them going up to Chesapeake because they like were planning to go there anyways, but mm-hmm. it's not going to be solved. <laughs> There's just so many possibilities with this one because there's not great record keeping. It's too old. There's no way for people to fact check or checks and balance any type of information. It's he said, she said, and then even still, is that accurate enough? Because how are we supposed to prove that any of that's true? Well, you have to think if there are facts about it, it might not have survived. Right. And then if and then what they did find or read about or hear like through the grapevine and then as the years go on, that can change. It's like the game telephone. Things mm-hmm. are going to be moved around and changed and exaggerated. <laughs> yeah. Or people who knew about it were supposed to do something didn't make it to their location. So nobody knows. Right. But yeah. So that's uh, 
Roanoke, the lost colony. That's crazy that it's still just like a huge question mark. <laughs> I think I gave, I've given you a new obsession. And you're welcome. I want to watch something on it. I want to see, like, visuals. I want to watch a documentary or something. Yeah, there's quite a few. Um, I just want more with hard sources, but that's just me. No, we'll no, be I ba- get it, but I now it makes me want to... Make Jason watch a documentary. He watches documentaries with me. I know. I'm just saying. Be a good thing. This this would be interesting for him. He likes Skull Island, the where they dig. Yeah, where there's supposed to be treasure, but everybody dies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know of Skull Island, um, but we'll be back next week with another episode. Ooh. Ooh. And and you'll be an aunt by then. She, I have received no news yet. My brother just sent me a snarky text about not being in his living room. <laughs> Luna says hi. Hi, Luna. He is wearing his slippers, though, which makes me laugh. But well, yeah, we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. A suspicious suicide. A 54-year-old cold case. A 17-year-old girl who disappeared and whose stepfather was just released from jail. A stabbing at a college party that challenged social and political boundaries. A false confession that nearly landed a standout college football player in jail for the rest of his life. These are the cases we cover on Status Pending, a monthly three-part look into cases which are open, unresolved, or prematurely closed. We bring voices of the victims, their families, and others with expert knowledge of the cases we cover with the hopes that continuing to shine light on the questions surrounding these cases might one day bring closure. Join us every month for a new chapter in our podcast. Subscribe to Status Pending wherever you listen. For more information, including ways to contact us about future cases you think we should cover, visit statuspending.podbean.com. Hey guys, I'm Heather. And I'm Rochelle. And And we're we're from from Nature Nature vs. Narcissism, Narcissism, a true crime podcast mixed with some dark humor. Sometimes we have alcohol. Sometimes we have guests. Since I've always been fascinated by true crime, I wanted to delve deeper in my mind and discuss why these criminals commit these vile acts. Was it nature? Was it nurture? Or was it just plain old narcissism? Join us every week for a brand new episode. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, and Podbean. Don't Don't call call the cops. cops! Bye. Bye. Domesticity, we're available on all podcatchers. Remember to rate, review, subscribe to help spread the word or just force other people to listen to it. Our Facebook and Twitter are at Domestic Podcast and our Instagram is at the Cult of Domesticity. We also have podcast merch at Threadless. Uh, As well, if you want to support us financially or show some appreciation, we have a PayPal tip jar and a Patreon, which has some pretty great perks. Any topic suggestions, feel free to email us at domesticpodcast at gmail.com. Remember to stay domestic and cult-free.